0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Sunday Nighter of the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodred of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, the senior analyst there, longtime senior analyst, and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. That's available to you 11 a.m. to noon on weekdays. The Talking Tide podcast, of course, Available on our web host at podbean.com. Also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Any of those apps will get you uh, the podcast as well. On our Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. You can get alerts there when we drop these twice-weekly podcasts during the football season. The Sunday Nighter, of course, recapping Alabama's 49-7 victory over Southern Miss. A home game, an 11 a.m. kickoff, Travis and One that Alabama got off to a fast start once again. Now, we've seen uh, a couple games this year where uh, Jerry Judy's been the star of the show. Uh, We saw Devontae Smith, kind of the star of the show, against South Carolina this last week. This week against Southern Miss, it's it's Henry Ruggs. I guess next week might be Jalen Waddles' turn, Travis
1: yeah it's basically like the lineup for the 27 yankees or something at this point murderers row of wide receivers and you know as good as devontae smith was and he was the main guy against south carolina henry Ruggs the third did have 100 receiving yards against the gamecocks himself so it's back-to-back 100 yard performances for henry Ruggs the third and more in the way of explosive plays for a guy who runs in the four two range uh been clocked at what like 23, 24 miles per hour, uh, if we want to put that into sort of the the, the, the roadways a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's the story once again. And, and it didn't take long for Tua Tonga, Bailoa, and Ruggs and the rest of those receivers to get it going Saturday. You know, you look at Jerry Judy now with a couple more touchdowns in the game too, Chase. And Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy now uh, through Saturday's game against USM, They have combined for 186 career catches. And of that total, 43 of those have gone for touchdowns. You know, it's a ratio that, again, continues to sort of boggle the mind. And it looks like it's going to be something they sustain until they make their way to the NFL draft, which I think, Chase, most people kind of figure to be in, what, seven or eight months' time now?
0: Yeah, you you know, five years ago, six years ago, Nick Saban – I think kind of turned his nose up a little bit at the RPO game, you know, with the lineman downfield <laughs> rule and whatnot. But no one can ever say Nick Saban doesn't adjust, and 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 now he does that RPO thing uh, as as well as anybody in the country. He beats people at their own game now,
1: no doubt about it. He got tired of it, you know. He he, he dealt with it with Auburn specifically, uh, with the, the the three yard rule, and in, in comparison to the one yard rule in the National Football League, and. Uh, he basically said, okay, well, if that's the way we're going to play football, I'm going to go get the very best guys uh, to maximize that sort of offense. And, you know, I'm not sure, Chase, if he ever envisioned it being this big of a part of his offense. But, again, as we've talked about uh, so many times, when you've got a guy who can trigger it, as effectively as Tua Tagovailoa can and then you've got multiple guys that can get the job done after the catch uh it, it it's just it's too hard to turn away from i mean the the explosive plays and and uh, again, the ability after the catch. And then as we saw Saturday, okay, and you know, we talked about this in the last couple of weeks, well, just take away the slant, you know, just take away that part of it. Well, you know, you, then you get hit with a double move, like Henry Ruggs put on the Southern Miss safety on Saturday, and then it's over the top. So uh, just just incredibly difficult to defend when you've got these type of people involved in it.
0: Not a secondary in the country that can cover this receiving core because it's just too deep. Uh, There are teams out there with two good corners. That's not enough when you're talking about a foursome like Alabama puts out there at the wide receiver position. The only way to slow this offense down, and I think we saw this a little bit last year toward the end of the season, is to get enough heat on Tungvaluwa to where he can't get the ball out consistently enough. And uh, to this point in the season, obviously that hasn't happened. Uh, LSU, obviously, and, and and Auburn as well. Uh, a couple of defensive fronts that that might present that kind of challenge for the Crimson Tide, but uh, those games are a long way off, and for now the Crimson Tide uh, moves on to 4-0 on the season pretty easily. Najee Harris, noteworthy as well, I think, for sure. Travis, 110 yards for him, his second career 100-yard game, and, and, and to me what stood out, Travis, was uh, – a week after Nick Saban mentioned uh, that that they'd like to see maybe a little bit more balance. Well, I don't know that they necessarily ran the ball a whole lot more uh, against Southern Miss. But what they did do is they decided to feed one guy. It wasn't Najee in, Robinson in, back and forth. They pretty much let Najee Harris have the whole first half. And I think all but one series in the third quarter presumably to see if they could get their most talented back into a rhythm, and that's exactly what happened.
1: Well, between the two of them against South Carolina, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson combined for 15 carries in that game. I mean, how far back do you have to go, at least in in games where it was against legitimate competition, probably SEC play, where Alabama's top two backs in a game chase – combined for 15 carries. That doesn't happen all that often even in an era with the RPO even when Jalen Hurts was at quarterback and he was sort of eating into that carry total from the position. But you're right, uh it was more about Najee on Saturday. Uh the two of those guys did exceed 20 total carries between them, not as much involved in the passing game, although Harris once again had a touchdown catch in the game Saturday. So uh, that was that was encouraging to continue to see that sort of carryover from that standpoint. But um, you know that was the first 100 yard rushing performance by an Alabama back since the uh, LSU game last November. I think that may surprise some people too, because you think LSU and you think about difficulty uh, on the ground, but Damian Harris did it against the Tigers. Uh, at, at the towards the end of last regular season. But, you know, when you go back really these last three or four seasons at the running back position, there's not as many of these one hundred yard games as we grew accustomed to seeing uh before two thousand sixteen, certainly in two thousand fifteen when Derrick Henry was so uh productive and, and and such a centerpiece of the offense. But no, it was and, and as much as anything, Chase, I liked how Uh, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson continued to run the football. I thought there was carryover from the South Carolina game. In terms of decisiveness and not wasting a lot of time, not wasting a lot of movement, taking what was there. If there was four to five yards, go get it. I thought there was improvement from that standpoint once again.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, And when you've got that kind of running game uh, you move the sticks better. Alabama now converting 52% of their third downs. That ranks 16th in the nation. Obviously, Tungvaloa, uh completing uh, about 80% of his passes roughly. Had a lot to do with that as well. But uh, the Crimson Tide offense clicking on all cylinders. On the other side, I thought the Southern Miss effort was, was weak. And I'm not talking about uh, the, t- the talent on that side. I saw some give up. Uh, from the Eagles, Travis, Uh, and you could talk about the heat, you could talk about the lopsided score, what have you. I I felt like New Mexico State played with more effort than Southern Miss. Seemed to me like that Southern Miss defense just didn't want to be there after a while.
1: And it's, it's kind of odd to even consider that as a possibility because for so many years, right, you saw Southern Miss teams come into Tuscaloosa or Birmingham, whichever the two it may have been, and one thing you knew you were always going to get from Southern Miss, and you saw this translate to the National Football League, we've seen a lot of, of really good defensive football players go on from, from Hattiesburg uh, to, to the Sunday game. Maybe not as much of late, but again, uh, sort of pre-2010-ish, I guess you could say, Chase. You, know, you knew you were going to get a physical, tough defensive football team when you took on Southern Miss. Not so much, I agree. Um, just seemed a little too easy at times. Uh, and, and and sort of goes back to, again, uh, you know, the front seven especially. There was a time, it may sound crazy now to the younger fans out there, there was a time when, if you were in Alabama or in Auburn or Georgia or whoever and Southern Miss was coming to town, I mean, you, you went ahead and geared up for an SEC-like effort from southern miss especially in the front seven but some really good secondary players have gone through that program too
0: well if you want a name that alabama fans will recognize how about P- pat sertan senior
1: yeah uh, that's, that's one that that rings
0: yeah came yeah. Uh, out of southern miss and had an outstanding pro career with the miami dolphins on the defensive side of the ball for alabama travis some thoughts there Uh, A couple of plays that stood out to me, certainly Shane Lee getting tested early in coverage on a deep pass down the sideline, uh, which I thought he defended fairly well given the circumstances. It was um, a pretty well-thrown ball, I thought, for the most part. That's a play that that, uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect a freshman linebacker to be uh, that that tight in coverage he was there pretty much but but he's a short guy too he's not going to have the length of uh, with anybody he's going to be running with on a a route like that
1: yeah and DeMichael Harris was one of those type of guys for Southern Miss it's really a tough matchup because he's as much of a wide receiver as he is a running back but Southern Miss will line him up in the backfield split him out wide uh, do that with a couple of their backs so it it was sort of a continuation chase and I think it's going to keep happening where offensive coordinators really go out of their way to try to get as many matchups against those inside linebackers and the outside linebackers. I mean, we saw uh, Southern Miss hit a, 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 probably their most explosive pass play of the game was the throwback sort of wheel route uh, to Harris down the Alabama sideline there. So uh, it, it looks more like, and it makes sense when you consider, Uh, where the strengths for this defense lie. The strengths are on the perimeter, on the edges with those two corners, Uh, and then the edge pass rushers when Terrell Lewis is a part of that along with Anthony Jennings that uh, you'll see maybe more inside-out of an approach in the passing game. And when I say that, I'm talking about inside the box with backs working to the outside, tight ends working from the inside to the outside Uh, because Alabama's in a good place, as we saw again, on Saturday, with Trayvon Diggs, Patrick Sertan II, the second, and uh, you know those DBs that they can they can make some plays uh, on, on the edges. It's it's more on the interior where those matchups are probably going to continue.
0: Yeah, you, I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams have success throwing a, a lot of the wide receiver screens to where Diggs and Sertan can can just do their thing and, and be the athletes they are. But you're right, uh, hitting backs out of the backfield and and some of the stuff that moves inside out we did see Alabama lose contain here and there on the yep. perimeter when it was going to some of those other weapons. And that's something that, uh, that the staff's going to be needing to clean up at some point.
1: Yeah. A little late still on occasion. And then a, a bad angle or two, and not just the, not just the linebackers, by the way, I thought Jared Maiden had a, had a pretty rough angle on one of those plays, uh, that, that sort of preceded, I guess, Southern misses, uh, long touchdown of the game. But, you know, still trying to to smooth some things out, and and not uh, not surprisingly, and not to pick on the linebackers, but yeah, they're the guys that, especially in pass coverage, uh, are going to continue to be challenged. I don't I don't I don't think anyone's shocked by that.
0: Some young players hitting the field for Alabama on the defensive side of the ball pretty early in the game. We're seeing. We're seeing more of Josh Job. We we saw Byron Young in the first half. We saw Chris Allen in the first half. Uh, it, it's and and granted, Alabama took a, a commanding lead pretty early. That probably allowed some of that substitution. Maybe you don't see all those faces in, in a tighter game. But Alabama's given they're they're putting some players on the field, some younger guys, building some experience, Travis, and beyond just the starting eleven.
1: That's what you're hoping, too, if you're Nick Saban and Pete Golding and that defensive staff is that, yeah, you're taking some lumps right now and you're doing it with some young players, but you're doing it with some talented young players. And hopefully, you know, they get to the point here pretty soon. And I thought you saw more of that, you know. I, I thought it was a more settled uh, inside linebacker group and Shane Lee and Christian Harris. You'd heard some talk about simplifying some things, allowing these guys to play more and, and try to – uh, interpret and uh, you know, do the, 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 the exotic mental type of gymnastics that can come with a defense like Alabama's uh, a little bit less. I thought that showed up a little bit in the game as well. Um, But you're right. I mean, at all three levels, Chase, Justin Oboigby makes his first start at defensive end as a true freshman. Um, DJ Dale starts the game, goes out in the first half with a knee injury. Uh, You got the, the true freshman inside linebackers still doing their thing as the first two guys up. And then you had Jordan Battle start because Alabama was in the dime package, and he's that dime safety right now. So, yeah, I mean, you can look all over that defense and you're going to find true freshmen pretty much. And, and not just in non conference play. I mean, going into this stretch now of, of SEC games coming up, it's, it's going to be a continuation of, of youth being served in mass, I'd say.
0: Yeah, the, the freshman safety battle with a really nice uh, TFL on a screen pass on third down to force a punt on the opening series. So things got started off well for him, for sure. He's looking like a, an up-and-comer. Smart uh,
1: dude. Yeah. He's yeah. a smart dude, Chase. I mean, I was watching the Alabama sideline from the press box, and he recognized dime uh, personnel, the need for it, before the staff did. I mean, he's He's on the sideline, but he's – You don't have to make a call to get his attention and get him. He saw that USM was going with four wide receivers, and he let Pete Golding know he needed to be in the game before Pete Golding had to let him know. So this is a guy that he's sharp. He's on the ball, and and he's got some physical gifts that's going to allow him to capitalize on that.
0: Maybe most pleasing for the Alabama coaching staff coming out of this game as well, Travis, just one penalty. Now coming off a South Carolina game where I think they were flagged 11 times and had to have been a big practice emphasis going into the Southern Miss game and and they come out of there with with just
1: one flag all day. Poor Josh Job. Yeah, I do think he sort of – peering out of the doghouse that he was in it seemed like there for a couple of weeks Chase because you're right we did see him in there with the ones at corner on Saturday we still saw Shaheem Carter start the game at star with that first group and Sertan and uh Sertan and, and Diggs at the corners but uh it looks like Job is sort of coming out of his uh out of his doghouse situation a little bit but he, he's the only guy flagged in the game, or enforced in the game anyway, for Alabama. And I'm pretty sure he's been flagged in each of the four games now. Uh, that's a streak I'm sure he's looking forward to breaking here soon. <laughs>
0: Special teams, uh, Will Reichert out with a lower leg injury, a hip flexor issue, if I'm Mm -hmm. not mistaken. Uh, Not good news for Alabama. One of the results of that, Travis, the Alabama kickoff coverage unit gets its most extensive action of the season. Coming into the game, they had only had to cover... Four returns in three games. They covered that many uh, against Southern Miss alone because uh, Bullivus doesn't quite have the the distance on kickoffs that Riker
1: does. Yeah, but Bullivus doesn't kick the tee, which serves kickers well. Which apparently was the problem. <laughs> which was the problem for Will Riker. Apparently on the kickoff that you know, and we're watching it, and it was a short kickoff. So I'm thinking. Did he just try to Adam Griffith that thing against Clemson in the national championship game in Glendale three or four years ago? Uh, but it turns out he just he sort of missed the ball and hit the tee, according to Nick Saban anyway, and that resulted in a uh, hip flexor pull, which you know you talk about injuries you don't want as a kicker. Chase hip flexors on either leg are not good. I mean, you, you could say well it would be better if it was on his non-kicking leg, no, because that is the that's the leg you plant with and you rotate through the kick with and that hip flexor on your plant leg isn't good from that standpoint but it it, it, not good either when you're talking about your kicking leg so um that's a tough situation and i I think it's tougher even more perhaps for punting chase because you know with scoured along again on saturday we saw this sort of hesitation restart just mechanically uh not good stuff from Skylar DeLong and nearly had one blocked so you know I know that Joseph Bolivis missed uh more than a few extra points last year but he was 14 of 18 on field goals in 2018 so I I think right now if you're talking about a drop-off from one guy from Riker to the next guy at place kicker or punter, I think there's a bigger drop-off right now from Riker to uh, DeLong than there is from Riker to Bullivus.
0: Yeah, that's an injury that's going to bear watching for sure. And and yep. you know, as long as Alabama's offense is rolling up forty, fifty points a week, and we saw this last year too, it might be a while. It could be weeks or even a even a month or two, I guess, before Alabama truly needs a uh, a big field goal in a big situation. Uh, yeah. But uh, nevertheless, uh, that's not an injury you want to see uh, in your kicker. That's for sure. The Talking Tide podcast at Podbean dot com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn rolling along. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors now that help keep Talking Tide on the Podwaves. Starting with North River Dental Associates charter sponsor of the talking tide podcast for an appointment over there it's northriverdentist.com or you can give them a call at 752-3506 now dr jack smalley and his professional staff of dental hygienists can do every kind of dental work there is so make sure you trust your teeth and your family's teeth to dr jack and his group over there whether it's laser dentistry teeth whitening services, endodontics, whatever you might need, they can take care of you. They'll also get you in and out of there typically in under an hour on a routine cleaning, especially if you get in there twice a year like you're supposed to. It's North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Also want to thank Session Cocktails and Spirits, Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar uh, featuring pre-prohibition and modern classic cocktails made by a team of the most talented bartenders In all of Tuscaloosa, uh, 2221 University Boulevard, open now. Just just had the grand opening this past week. They've got a great selection of happy hour drinks and some outstanding signature cocktails. It's a smoke-free environment, fancy glassware, and stiff drinks over at Session Cocktails and
1: Spirits. I'm going to tell you about Heat Pizza Bar. Also there in downtown Tuscaloosa, right there at Government Plaza. You know, we typically do these on Sundays and Wednesdays, and since this is a Sunday, hope you made it down to Heat Pizza Bar on a NFL Sunday, because they have all the games covered for you, have that Red Zone channel going as well, that full bar setup, great place to sit right there at the bar, have one of those great pies, maybe a salad. Uh, they'll take care of you at Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza remember nightly specials for you you're gonna have that half off bottles of wine on Monday to go along with six dollar cheese pizzas on Monday Tuesday you're gonna have Thai chicken pizzas starting at six o'clock in the evening for just seven bucks can't beat that Heat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Sticking with downtown, I'm going to tell you about Brick and Spoon. That's right. Brick and Spoon at Timerson Square in downtown. If you're in the in the search for a great breakfast, great service, they're going to take care of you at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timmerson Square. Uh, you can get that three cheese omelet that I've told you about many times. It comes with a little ham in there for you. Yeah, it's going to fill you up. That's about all you're going to need until about dinner time. Trust me on that one. Uh, But if you get there for brunch And you're a fan of shrimp and grits You need to try that You need to try the shrimp and grits At uh, Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa And of course, the always great Bloody Marys The mimosas They'll hook you up You know, This past Saturday was a perfect, perfect day Perfect morning to get to Brick and Spoon Well, if you didn't Or even if you did, do it again This week, you're going to have a 2.30 kickoff for Ole Miss. That gives you time to get up, get you a great breakfast, brunch, lunch, you name it. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square.
0: Talk inside podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Rolling on uh, for a few minutes. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you to bounce around the sec in week four action and travis i guess georgia's home win over notre dame 23 17 probably has to lead off our look around the league a game that that georgia struggled early offensively and notre dame was was right in it and and then in the third quarter it it looked like georgia was taken over and was just kind of run away with it uh but they didn't exactly finish the way Kirby Smart would have wanted. They end up winning by six.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I know post-game it was kind of sold as one of the biggest wins in Georgia history, and, hey, maybe it was. I mean, we are talking about a program that, you know, hasn't won a national championship since 1980, so maybe that absolutely qualifies. Um, but it, it it wasn't a classic game, I guess is what I'm saying. It was a competitive game. Uh, but, you know, I, I see a lot of, well, Notre Dame was better than everybody thought they were. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Georgia isn't what we thought Georgia was. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle, which is where I tend to lean. I give Notre Dame credit for preparation as much as anything else, uh, because defensively especially, that team was ready for what Georgia was going to bring to the table from the outset. So. Kudos to the Notre Dame defensive staff as much as anything else. I think ultimately Georgia still had a few too many guys uh, for Notre Dame. Notre Dame just not enough playmaking ability on the offensive side of the ball. Um, You know, Georgia may have found something a little bit in Lawrence Cager. The uh, Miami transfer that made some big plays down the stretch at the wide receiver position. looks like he may be that back shoulder fade specialist that Jake Fromm has made such good use of. Uh, since 2017, but, eh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think Georgia's a really, really good football team. I thought that going into it, uh, I think Notre Dame's a a, a good team. Um, I, I didn't really, I didn't have my hair blown back either way, I guess, Chase. I enjoyed the football game, but in terms of a statement performance from either team, I didn't really, I didn't really take that away from it.
0: No, I didn't either. The Notre Dame defense definitely impressive. Offensively, they sputtered. You, you you did get the sense that Georgia just had too many athletes for them, and and at the end of the day, I, I think that's how the Bulldogs were able to kind of kind of take over. Ian Book made a couple of throws, but uh, Notre Dame couldn't run the ball with with nearly enough consistency. And and uh, you know that much vaunted Georgia offensive line, though Travis di- didn't dominate oh. like a lot of people would have thought either.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting. I thought Georgia, well, because I watched Louisville run the football on Notre Dame yeah. in the opener, and I know things change and over the couple over the course of a couple of weeks, but I was, I, I just didn't. It, it felt like Georgia's approach was just disjointed. You know, like there really wasn't much rhyme or reason to some of what Georgia was trying to do. And you kept waiting for that time in the game where Georgia said, okay, we're going to put this on the backs of this offensive line and DeAndre Swift and Harrion uh, and these backs and just uh, impose our will, and it really didn't happen. So, you know, if, if you're Notre Dame, hey, good for you. It was a it was a, a moral victory, I would say, and losing by only six. Um and if you're Notre Dame, it's, I mean, if you're Georgia, it's its obviously a good thing. You won the football game first and foremost. And I think Kirby can sort of ground his team uh, after that kind of performance, too. There was enough Georgia didn't do well uh, that, that he can get his team's attention a little bit easier coming off that type of win than maybe if it's 45 to, to 14 or something like that. Auburn
0: over Texas A&M, twenty-eight twenty. A game that that uh, I I kind of thought that game would would be. I didn't know I didn't know if that was going to be tight or not. I I do I will tell you though that that I, I think Bo Nix made some strides in that one, Travis, and and yeah, that's a knot Jim Jimbo Fisher doesn't need to take either.
1: Uh, with all with all he's getting paid over there in Aggieland. Yeah, the boys in the big buildings in downtown Houston, Chase. That ain't what they signed off on Uh-oh. for that $75 million Chase. No. You know, I mean, it, it's one thing to lose, but for the offense to struggle as much as it did. And, look, all the credit in the world to Auburn defensively because that f- defensive front that we've talked about so much and heard so much about uh, in the off season and into the season, Derek Brown, the rest of those guys, Marlon Davidson, Big Cat Bryant, they owned – they owned A&M up front. And and I'm no apologist for Kellen Mond, as if you listen to this podcast or follow me in any other outlet, you know that. But I can't really put any of this on Kellen Mond, Chase, because it was such, such dominance by Auburn up front. I mean, A&M didn't have a chance. And I think this was an A&M offensive line that returned three or four starters from last year, right? Well, the lone starter that it didn't return is now the starting center, I believe, for the New Orleans Saints. But still, you know, one guy does not an offensive line make, even as as important as a center is. Uh it was an embarrassingly poor performance. And AM just AM go, just coming out just didn't seem to be like juiced at all about it. You know, like you thought you were gonna get AM at optimum energy and enthusiasm level I didn't really get that from AM on Saturday it it almost felt like A&M was playing Ole Miss or something at least in their own minds and uh, they got reminded real quick they weren't
0: Florida dominates Tennessee 34 to 3 I mentioned on the previous podcast Travis that I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Vols hang in this one they didn't hang at all uh, Tennessee is just a train wreck right now and, and there's no other way to
1: describe it yeah now what do you do at quarterback you know because we saw a change there from gorantano uh to mauer uh in the game uh it's bad and what's bad is you know it was kind of being celebrated about jim cheney coming home to ut and you know this would be exactly what the offense needed to turn the corner and it was uh it was it was poor there's no doubt about it and you know now come the rumblings about. When does Phil Fulmer ultimately take this thing back over on the national scene? You're hearing more and more of that. I don't know if we're there yet, um, but it, it, it's he's like Pat Riley, you know? Yeah, he's he's waiting. Yeah, waiting on Eric Spolstra. Um, <laughs> it's 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 rough because if Tennessee people actually believe that's the solution to what ails that program. They, they've lost their – they they really have lost their minds. Um, but at the same time, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy to get this thing done, Jeremy Pruitt to get this thing done in Knoxville, he's going to have to do it largely on the recruiting trail. That's where he can do what others before him couldn't do as well or as consistently. But you just wonder, at, at this rate, with these type of performances – is, is he going to have the time to do it? Because it, it, it's tough. It's, even with the deficit that athletic department has been at because of all the buyouts, and Butch Jones still in Tuscaloosa getting a hefty check every month, by the way, um, it, some things you don't have the, the, the luxury of, of patience or, or time. And by the way, that, that Tennessee staff in general, you talk about just a, a price tag for a, a staff. I think it's one of the top five, top ten highest paid staffs in all of college football.
0: Yeah, Pruitt is an incredible recruiter. There's no doubt about it. But it's hard to go in the living room and, and sell yeah. four and eight to mom and dad. Uh, you can sell playing time when you're four and eight, but uh, eventually that, that, that rings hollow, I think, with a, with a lot of top guys. So uh, definitely uh, a mess uh, in Rocky Top right now as they go down to the Florida Gators, 34-3. to three. Uh, before we get out of here, Cal over Ole Miss, twenty-eight to twenty. Nothing notable about that game, Travis, except that Ole Miss sputtered at the goal line at the end of the game. I guess with a chance to score, wrapped up and uh, um, as well, uh, an Ole Miss fan uh, was was caught on a hot mic screaming at Cal's players, calling them communists.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was that was certainly shocking in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> The locals referring to uh, that's what they the think boy- of Berkeley. The boys from Berkeley, you know. Um, yeah, that was something to finish to that game, and to do it with the backup quarterback in there, uh, you know that that was that was good for Ole Miss. But um, at, the, the thing is, is you know, even if the call is made and Pac twelve crew, we know, uh, so good luck with that. Even even at home, if you're Ole Miss, but you're assuming that the two point conversion. Uh, is gonna be converted there and and we don't know that but um at least uh Ole miss made that that uh entertaining down the stretch and now uh for their troubles uh, they'll come to tuscaloosa's i think it's about a 34 point underdog now we got uh you know what we got coming up we got uh, what could have been weak with Rich Rodriguez as the offensive coordinator of the Ole Miss Rebels coming to Tuscaloosa. What
0: about that, Chase? Coming to Tuscaloosa. We'll be diving into that midweek when we do our preview podcast of the Alabama Ole Miss game. You and I will both be at Bryant-Denny Stadium for that one. Looking forward to it. That's going to do it for this edition of Talking Tide. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us midweek as we take a look at that Alabama Ole Miss game, home game for the Crimson Tide. We'll talk to you then right here on Talking Tide.